You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Welcome back to Sprott Money News. It's Friday, September 9th, 2016. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I'm your host, Craig Hemke, and joining us as usual is Eric Sprott. Eric, good morning. Hey, good morning, Craig. Uh, had a pretty good week so far. Uh, there's a lot of uh, action going on in the casino these days, so we better chat about it. Absolutely, and you're right. We are up 1% in both gold and silver. Not a bad week. Uh, I think we'll, we take 1% almost every week, but gosh, there's a lot of noise out there all of a sudden, Eric, about uh, the FOMC wanting to raise rates, uh, raise the Fed funds rate when they get together week after next. Even though global economic data, U.S. economic data remains terrible. Do you have any thoughts on what's going on here? Sure. Well, first of all, the data is weak, but that's no surprise to us, right? It's always been weak. The car sales were weak. The ISMs were weak. Uh, there's all sorts of uh, companies coming out and uh, changing their forecast going forward. You know, they always beat the earnings, but whenever they have to say what their sales are going to be in the next six months, it's kind of weaker. Uh, but I think the the stunning revelation that's going on has to do with long long bond rates because there is a discussion going on about what the people in Japan Kuroda at the Bank of Japan are likely to do on their September 20th to 21st meeting and um, I'd like to quote something that uh, Mr. Kuroda said recently and I'm going to quote from from Zurich some business firms have revised down their profit forecast due in part to the increase in net present value of retirement benefit obligations. Mm-hmm. We should take account of the possibility that such developments can affect people's confidence by causing concerns over the sustainability of the financial function in a broad sense, thereby negatively affecting economic activity. And basically what he's saying, and this is, of course, something that many, many people have, have discussed. I mean, if you're a pension fan, fund and you're supposed to be generating 7% return, I mean, it's pretty hard doing that when you're starting off with a zero yield on your bond portfolio, okay? And uh, you, the fact that you have to rely on a stock market for things like that is just something that uh, does not sort of go well with long-term pension funds. And I can just imagine the insurance companies in Japan the banks in Japan, the pension funds in Japan saying to um, Kuroda-san, hey, how are we supposed to generate a return when we have zero interest rates all the way up and down the yield curve here? We don't even have any place to go. So the discussion was, and I sort of was getting this sense, I keep hearing about this, these people at the BLJ, you know, have a one-third faction believes this, one-third faction believes that. And now, now of course, it's kind of been laid out, but what they're thinking of doing is call it negative operation twist. This change in policy would entail keeping short rates low or lower and raising long-term interest rates. And so what we've seen off is a pretty dramatic sell-off in long bonds throughout the world, and particularly in Japan, of course. And, of course, it doesn't take much increase in interest rates in the long end to totally uh, decimate the value of a long bond. We're talking about a lot of bonds here, so there can be some huge losses take place. Um, and so that seems to be, you know, obviously between the insurers and the banks, they got they got a hold of Karatasan and said, you know, we're not going to survive this, okay? We just cannot have zero interest rates out at for 10 and 30 years. I mean, how do we survive? And, of course, that's the one thing that you and I and many you new know, this can't carry on. This right. cannot be a long-term policy, right? 
Because how do you, how does anybody make any money? How do pensioners survive? How do insurance companies survive? Banks survive? And so finally, maybe somebody shook some sense into them. So we have this uh, tumult in the bond market. And as you well know, tumult in the bond market can cause problems in the stock market. Right. And, you know, a lot of us have said, well, when's this moment going to happen when everybody kind of loses confidence? And the whole theme of the stock market, of course, has been long rates, higher multiples, whatever. And if you all of a sudden get higher rates, you get lower multiples. And, of course, we don't have any growth anyway. In fact, we get negative earnings growth. So there could be a time where this market, the stock market now, could shake out. And there's, it's been interesting. There's been some recent studies of volatility that suggest you know, volatility is almost non-existent. But if the stock market went down a couple of percent and the bond market went down a couple of percent, some of these funds who just invest in volatility, they're going to have to blow everything out. So it's not going to take much of a market sell-off here. We've already had that market sell-off in the bond market, but it would just take a little more in the stock market, and we're going to get some serious selling here. I see the futures today are down, for example, half of 1% here in North America. So we're getting close to where uh, people are going to get edged. And, of course, most smart investors watch the bond market as a tip-off. So I think that's the big thing that's happening. Uh, you probably, well, how does this benefit, uh, you know, precious metal investors? Well, of course, one of the things we always fall back on is it, we have an asset class that goes counter to stocks and, for that matter, probably bonds. So, uh, you know, bonds aren't safe and stocks aren't safe. There's only one category left. Done very well already this year. And I suspect that we're going to see some serious buying coming into the uh, the precious metals area. Good time to remind everybody that uh, gold price and the, even things like the GLD inventory bottomed the day after the f- last time the Fed raised rates back in December of last year. So uh, I do want to go, go back to what you said because I didn't know that the, this Bank of Japan meeting was happening at the exact same time, the 20th and 21st of September, that this next FOMC meeting is being held. Right. And there's been this ongoing chatter about this change in monetary policy in Japan. And of course, nobody nobody could define it, right? Well, what are they talking about? You know, why would they? And of course, the, the policy never worked. Never worked here. Never worked in Europe. Never worked anywhere. And now, of course, we're getting one of the unintended consequences. Excuse me, you're wrecking my business. Yeah. You know, I'm an insurance company. You're wrecking my business. I'm a bank. You're wrecking my business. When are you guys going to come around here? You're not doing anything to the economy, and you're and you're wrecking my business. Don't you think it's time to change your policy? So I think that's what's in the cards here. Well, it makes me wonder because I, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you about it because none of the economic data suggests that the Fed should raise rates, but they are going out of their way, it seems, to convince everybody that they're going to. So you're right. Maybe these dots connect. Maybe there is a global change of plan amongst these central bankers to kind of help each other out. Well, I think there's this realization, as Corona said, where these companies, you know, if all of a sudden, let's say you have a pension obligation, but the interest rates are zero. And all of a sudden, you've got to recognize that you're not going to earn 7% for the next 30 years. What's your present value of your obligation today? It, that could bankrupt you, having to put that on you as a liability. So I think that's what's bringing them around. Probably somebody tapped them on the shoulder. Oh, by the way, we're going to set up a you know $500 billion liability because your long-term rates are zero. And we don't have $500 billion. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, that's exactly what he said. So, 
Anyway, there we are. Wow. Well, it sure sets up for a rather interesting end of the month, I would say. And, and as we go into the end of the year, no doubt about that. I do want to ask you, I, I saw some uh, an interesting news item this week. You know, we're all very interested in anything that takes power away from uh, the centri- or the global bankers and the bullion banks. And there was news this week of uh, a, perhaps a new exchange coming along. That uh, that might help facilitate that. That's going to be involved with the the IEX and hopefully take away some of this high frequency trading shenanigans that we see in the paper markets. What do you think of that idea? Well, you know, I've I've admired uh, Brad Katsuyama and what he's done uh, in terms of trying to stop the effect of the uh, the front running going on in the markets. It's just sickening. I'm a guy who has to trade markets, and I just, it's awful what happens to you every day. Uh, so uh, their exchange, I think, is going to start very shortly. I certainly will do everything I can to support his new, this is for stocks, and his new exchange. And uh, the group there suggests, well, we want to do uh, the same thing, uh, blockchain technology for trading gold, and, and would we, Sprott Inc., uh, myself, be interested in supporting it? And, of course, uh, from a philosophical point of view, we're 100% behind it. Uh, with, with all the stuff that we put up within the commodity markets mm-hmm. and the gold markets, you've got to try to support something that might bring some sanity and uh, normalization to trading. So um, yeah, it wasn't very difficult for us to say, yes, we'd be happy to uh, be a financial partner of that, and uh, hopefully we can get it up and running and uh, provide a much better service than the existing uh, offerings that are out there. Like I said, anything that helps diversify that market and draw some power away from the banks, I think we're all for, right? Absolutely. Well, as we head into the latter part of September, it is going to get interesting. Like I said, the the FOMC meeting is not until the 20th and 21st. You mentioned this Bank of Japan meeting, 20th and 21st. What do we do between now and then? Is this just a time to uh, be cautious and, and let the chips fall where they may, Eric? It's going to be a kind of a long couple of weeks, it would seem. <laughs> well, you know, it doesn't. It's not going to bother me if if the Fed raises rates. The Fed has lost contact with what's going on. Okay, anybody who thinks the Fed model works is crazy. Okay, but whether they raise or don't raise, I don't think they'll raise anyway. But if they try to raise theoretically to save face, fine. We'll deal with that, as you pointed out, post December fifteenth. That's when gold hit its bottom. You can see more and more people coming into the space here for obvious reasons, uh, and it, it's. It's not going to be, rates going up will just devastate the stock market and the bond market here. Who's kidding who? And I think the whole raison d'etre for the Fed, uh, and all central banks for that matter, in my mind, was to keep the the too big to fail guys from failing. That's what it was all about, okay? Uh, it wasn't about the economy. It's never been about the economy. And there are things they do for the economy, you know, when they did cash for clunkers and hmm. home buyer tax credits, and of course, uh, Zero down for mortgages and zero, uh, you know, uh, subprime auto loans and all that stuff. That's all meant to keep things going. Uh, but th- th- those are just uh, holding mechanisms, you know, keeping the economy kind of where it is and not uh, crashing, which it should have done beginning back in 2000. But it's been a, a 15 year or 16 year effort to try to hold it together. So I think we're in a situation here where people are moving into gold and silver. The stocks have reacted quickly. Everyone, of course, all the mainstream investors say, well, you know, I'll buy the next dip. And, of course, the dip happens. Nobody buys it. And then next thing you know, the gold stocks are out of the quickest 10% you've ever seen. 
Uh, I, I mean, I just loved uh, Tuesday of last week when we went up to twenty-seven dollars. There, there's a rule amongst the Gata people that you know there's a one percent rule, so they had to cap it at thirteen fifty. And then it went through thirteen fifty. I thought, oh my God, here we go. We're going to twenty-seven, which is the two percent rule. You know, it's either one or two, okay? Yeah. And once they can't hold it, they got to let it go to the next level. And of course, that was twenty-seven dollars. And it went right at twenty-seven, closed there exactly at two percent. And of course, the money poured into the GLD very, very quickly here. So you can see that the money's there. You can feel the sentiment. I see it all the time. Uh, myself, you know, I'm very busy uh, taking you know, serious positions in companies. I'm about, about to do another one today. I did a couple of little ones last week. Uh, so I'm I'm all in, and I probably go, I go deeper every day, essentially. And uh, you know, it's been a hell of a trade this year. And I, I have every confidence it's it's going to carry on. One last question in that regard, Eric. News has hit in the last couple of weeks about a couple of these European central banks, the Swiss National Bank, and I think the other one was in Norway, that have taken sizable positions in the mining shares. I mean, talking about whether central banks should be owning equities is probably a topic for another day, but they're doing it. What do you make of this? Is there, Are they just simply seeking return? <laughs> well, I was, I was really interested in it. Uh, and I, let me just surmise what might be happening. So this guy sitting at the bank said, you know, it looks to me like we should be owning more gold. Well, you know, we're not allowed to own gold because we have the agreement with the, all the Western banks. We can't buy gold, okay? Well, my, my guy tells me gold's going up here, and what are we going to do? Well, maybe we should buy the gold stocks. Okay, oh, you're fine. Let's go buy the gold stocks. So I look at the amount of money that it was the Swiss and uh, the Finnish bank was that the other one, yeah, two of them, maybe Nor- Norwegian bank, I think, right? Yeah, and they both put a billion in, and I thought to myself, a billion, a billion. Hmm, how much gold would that buy? Well, I would that would buy fifty tons each, okay? Now I will guarantee you, Craig, if two Western banks come out and said they each bought fifty tons of gold, it's all over for gold. It just goes straight up, yeah. okay? Yeah. So I think the, the answer is, well, we can't buy gold because if we can't be seen to be buying gold, but we better cover our butts here. So we got to own something related to this. So that's why I'm sure they went out and bought the stocks. Of course, the stocks are the better purchase if, if gold does go up because the percentage gains are, are incredible. Uh, so I think that's kind of the method in their madness. It's, 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 it's awful that I have to say that you know, there's this pact amongst Western banks that they won't buy gold because they know exactly what's going on, that the demand is way beyond supply, and they're fighting every day to to keep supplying the gold to the market. So I'm sure there's a, quite an understanding. You don't buy gold. So they did the second best thing, which is buying the stocks. Those are excellent points. Again, uh, very good to talk to you again. I look forward to speaking to you next Friday as we prepare for what well, should be a volatile end of the month. Should be a lot of fun, Craig. I'll look forward to it myself. And from all of us here at Sprott Money News, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.